A company's response to an incident defines how that company responds to an adverse, unexpected scenario. Kintaba automates the incident management process so that teams can quickly report, respond, resolve, and reflect on major incidents collaboratively. Kintaba's incident response platforms gives you instant access to incident management processes based on the practices of companies like Facebook, Google, Stripe, and other successful organizations. John Egan is co-founder and CEO at Kentaba and joins the show to talk about incident response. John, welcome to the show. Thanks, Jeff. I want to talk to you today about incident response. And to start us off, can you just explain what a typical incident response process looks like at a typical company? Well, so an appropriate incident response process, so, so at a company that practices this and practices it well looks like a series of steps that are repeatable each time. So around declaring the incident, the group response to the incident itself, including the sub-roles that those responders have, a step around mitigation and making certain that everyone knows that status, and then the actual review on the incident itself that identifies root cause and makes sure that it doesn't happen again. That's the really basic flow that any organization that's practicing incident management and incident response should be following. How does incident response vary in practice from company to company? Right. So, so despite that being sort of the best practice, the reality is most organizations sort of deal with incidents more as an outlier, unexpected moment without too much structure around it. So generally, when you, when you talk to a person or most organizations about you know, the last incident they remember, they tend to remember more of the unfortunate parts of it, right? The, the panic that comes into it, the multiple communications channels of where are we talking about this? Where are we fixing this? What is the status of this? You know, what are we doing? You know, by their nature, incidents, as we remember them and as they're defined, tend to be these kind of unstructured moments of worry inside an organization where things are going badly fast. And so that's kind of more often what we see in industry. It's, it's only really recent history that sort of putting structure to it in a, in a meaningful way has started to happen. And that's really come from organizations like Google, like Facebook, like Netflix, that have started to become much more public about their internal practices, maybe since about 2016. There probably hasn't been as much coverage of the area of incident response as is due. And I know you're putting on a conference around incident response. Can you describe what you're looking to cover at that conference? Yeah. So what we found is incident response often gets buried underneath other practices within the organization. And it's sort of one of the challenges for the space historically is when you're dealing with an incident, because it tends to be a company critical moment, it's actually something that cuts across lots of different organizations, right? It's not just the SRE team, you know, or just the engineering team, you know, or even just the customer success team. It's all of these teams having to come together in concert. And something we noticed when we started Kintaba was that organizations, if you were to walk up to an entire organization and say, who here you know, works in incident management or practices incident management, you wouldn't, you wouldn't actually see that many hands go up. But if you, if you stand in front of that same company and you say, who here has been involved in an incident? Who here has had to be a responder to kind of a company critical event over the last six months? You'll actually find a lot of, a lot of hands start to go up. And that sort of spurred this idea internally that we probably ought to go and create 
a place for these folks to come together where we can start to build community around it because we couldn't find an existing conference out there. And so we started this, this new thing. It's called IRConf. It's, it's really the first incident response conference. And it's meant for anyone who's ever been part of a major incident at their organization to kind of come together and talk to other people and start to share best practices and stories and approaches that people use to deal with these emergency events at their organizations. And we've gotten some really great people. We've got Emily Freeman from AWS is speaking, Dave Renzen, who's ex-Google and SRE and is now at Pendo, folks, co-founders from Honeycomb, Commodore, got speakers from Wix. It's going to be a really interesting conversation that finally just gets to focus on this very specific practice of dealing with major critical situations at organizations and really just helping us all come together as a community and accept that we're all dealing with this. This isn't a unique thing to the Facebooks and Googles of the world. Can you talk to me about the tooling of the modern incident response? Where does tooling fit in and what are the primary tools that are used? So the tooling looks an awful lot like orchestration tooling mixed with collaboration tooling, right? Because these are the two things that really come together for a successful incident response. You need a tool that will help you to push that process that I described earlier, right? That declaration, response, remediation, and review. You want an orchestration tool to manage that. And then you want that orchestration tool to be plugged into a collaboration tool that's actually letting your responders come together, pull all of that relevant metadata together, and work towards determining root cause or at least mitigating steps that can be taken to get the incident under control as quickly as possible. Kintaba, our company, really tries to bring those two things together and give you a really simple and easy-to-use platform as, as a tool that can be deployed across the organization, as opposed to a tool that maybe you know, two or three people from your SRE team would have access to, you really want this tool to be accessible by everyone. Because when things go badly, when things go, you know, metrics fall south really quickly and start to affect customers, you're bringing together SREs and engineers and product managers. You know, sometimes you're even bringing legal into the fold and and certainly PR and customer success, depending on the situation. So the tooling really looks like that combination. And when you look at it as it's wired into the tooling that already exists, some of those pieces are probably tools you already have. So for example, we wire really closely in with Slack to make it so that if that's already your collaboration tool, all of the orchestration that's happening inside of Kintaba in terms of making sure you move through this process is also connecting in to your Slack channels so that the place where your customer or your employees already are becomes the place where you can practice that response effectively. You really sort of see those two things coming together when you think about tooling, and then you want that like wide deployment across the organization. You have been working on Kintaba, which is a tool that is dedicated to incident response. Given what you've covered about incident response thus far, Describe why a dedicated tool is needed for incident response. Yeah, so this is this is sort of a big shift that's happening here over the last couple of years and is continuing, is that in maybe the old days, we would say, okay, incident response maybe can live inside of our task management system, right? Or maybe our project management system above that. Maybe we can just handle incident response you know, directly inside of Slack and we can record the incidents somewhere like uh, Google Sheets. And we can start to write our automation you know, processes for things that are predictable that we want to do during incidents happen you know, inside of like Zapier or write them as shell scripts and kick them off. And what you start to find really quickly is that 
all of the existing tools that are out there have to sort of be used individually and independently for pieces of incident response. And it gets really messy really quickly. So a, a simple example of that is if you were to just try to use Slack for incident response, you end up with different parts of your organization running to different channels at different moments, trying to figure out where the right place is to have the conversation because of the fact that the incident cuts across, right? If you have a site outage, your entire site goes down and you're a SaaS business, it's everyone who's going to be running to the forefront, say, from the CEO, you know, all the way down to a frontline salesperson, trying to figure out what's happening, where to go, where to have that conversation. And we hear this over and over again when we go talk to organizations, especially unicorn startups, companies that are growing quickly, where that panic of trying to use a tool that isn't really purpose-built for this system or this situation, just causing more confusion and a lot of administrative overhead, where you actually end up in a world where trying to put together the management of the incident ends up taking up more time than just the actual incident resolution itself. You really don't want teams stepping on each other. You really don't want to be defining the roles for the incident response at the moment of the incident. You want those predefined. You want them predefined well, and you want them visible. And you really don't want to be running to different places for you know, video communications as well. Where are we going for the Zoom room that's attached to this thing? You also have a lot of these moments where you want to say, well, who from you know organization I've never worked with before, who from PR needs to be involved in this incident, it's big enough, right? Like we're going to have to go and actually talk to press about it. Who, you know, who is that person? I'm, I'm an SRE. I've never had to deal with PR before. You know, who's the on-call? Do they even have an on-call? All of these questions come up and you realize that the existing tooling, while effective, right? PagerDuty is fantastic probably for your technical on-call rotations that you already have. Slack's doing a great job of day-to-day collaboration work. Google Sheets is doing a good job of capturing uh, sheets and, and table data that you're putting together. But when an incident happens, you need all of this stuff really happening in concert in an orchestrated fashion. And that's where a single tool really solves that problem. There's, there's a saying in industry, right? Which is, if you want to process, build a tool. When we were starting to build Kintaba, we went to all of our friends who had left, uh, mostly who had left Fang and gone to other organizations and said, you know, what, what are you missing from your tool stack? And consistently, that was the feedback. It was, well, we don't, we don't have that place to go, that orchestration tool for when a major emergency happens. And we really wish we could just pull one off the shelf. And that's really kind of the, the genesis of Kintaba was there ought to be a very simple off-the-shelf solution for this that provides that real-time orchestration, you know, as well as the long-term learning and remediation tools. Describe if I'm a user of Kintaba and I have access to it, what does that change about my incident response process? So first and foremost, it's going to give you visibility into the incident response world inside of your company. So at a very simple level, what is currently on fire and what has been on fire recently? It's a very simple sounding question, but it's pretty tough to answer at most companies across organizations. If you're a a random engineer, a company like Facebook, you can go and see that. You can go to a dashboard at any moment and see what are all of the fires happening. Everything from SEV1, right? Company critical, everything's really going down all the way down to SEV3, right? Like lower customer impact, but still something that's an emergency that we need to deal with in a real-time factor. Like first and foremost, that's what you get access to by having something like a Kintaba installed in your organization. Beyond that, you'll also get access to setting up the roles 
for the responders in your company. So you can see at any given moment, who's my on-call for PR? Who's my on-call for engineering? Maybe who's my on-call for operations or broken down by different sub-orgs, depending on how my organization is structured. Really critical data that you need for when dealing with a response to an incident. And then forward, what are all the learnings we've had for incidents, right? What are the pieces of knowledge that have been gained? These are published, we call them postmortems, right? The document that the engineer has written up after the incident that helps us all understand what was the root cause and what is the process piece about our organization, the systemic change that we're going to make to make sure that that incident never happens again. All of that information goes into a document library so that everyone in the company has access to it. And then going deeper, things like defining automated remediation steps, right? Every incident we have, say if it's tagged security, needs to follow certain steps. We have an automation tool set that lets you go and define things that happen based on metadata for that incident. So I have a SEV1 security. We make sure that we post in the security process documents directly into that chat channel. Uh, we assign the correct on-call rotations and ping them and make sure that they show up. You know, Maybe we even go and call some internal tools through webhooks. All of that is stuff that you get out of the box with a Cantaba. And then ultimately at the end, reporting to go and look at this stuff from a trending standpoint. And it's reporting not just about what are the incidents that I've had, what are my you know, mean time to resolutions, but also the people reporting. Who are the people in my company who are responding to these incidents, right? How often are they doing it? What does the heat map look like for when my incidents happen? Are they happening Monday at, at 2 a.m. or are they happening midday you know, on days when we do a push? All of that information kind of gets pulled together into a single space so that you can react from a systemic standpoint to make sure your organization gets better and better at having fewer and fewer of these step ones. As an incident is occurring, describe the more technical, at a more technical level, the usage of Kintaba and like at a lower level in more specific terms, is it assisting me? Like what information is it presenting to me? What is it allowing me to collaborate on? So again, from an orchestration standpoint, Kintaba is going to, if you're a technical responder, is going to alert you to the fact that the incident is happening. Or if you're the, if you're the person filing the incident, it's going to give you that interface to go and file the incident. It's going to direct you to the place where the work is being done to go and solve that incident. So if that's a Slack channel or if that's in the Kintaba chat experience, either one, It'll direct you there. And then it will give you all of the relevant metadata about the incident that's known. So who are the other responders who are here? What roles are they playing? Are these people the, you know, from, from a specific org? Are they representing you know, a different part of engineering, a different part of operations? It will show you all of that information. It'll give you an interface to ping other responders. So if you've been brought in and you recognize that we need to bring someone new in who has an expertise in a specific area based on the incident happening, the in- interface is there to go and ping that responder, make sure they're notified and also brought into the incident. And then other information around status of the incident. Is it open? Is it mitigated? You know, where are we? What's the current status that's been reported? It's going to give you all of that information around the incident collaboration space. Kintava won't solve the incident for you. That's not really incident management's role, right? Incidents by their definition are black swan events. They're unexpected. There isn't really a preset set of steps that will solve the problem, but it will give you the space and put you into the right context to rapidly be able to work that problem and log that process towards remediation 
so that as a technical responder, you have access to all of that data around what did you do? What were the important moments? What were the milestones that were hit? And then let you pull all of that after the fact into a postmortem that can almost be pre-written for you, where you can then record that change that you're going to make systemically so that the incident doesn't happen again. Can you talk about what the metrics that I should be tracking around my incidents and my incident response in order to get an understanding of how my organization is responding to incidents on average? Yeah, so there are kind of two sets of metrics. There's there's sort of the traditional metrics, which we sort of call the um, the MTT stars, right? So all the mean time twos. So when an organization tends to get involved in incident management, they start to immediately think about things like how quickly are we responding, right? We call these uh, mean time to resolution. We're not huge fans of those numbers, actually, at Kintaba. You, you, in a world of black swan events, trying to work out an average looks pretty messy. And it actually encourages some, some pretty poor behavior, right? If you're, if you're measuring an average on response time, it really disincentivizes things like filing the incident at all until you get farther through to understanding what the remediation is because you want to keep that number low. The, the metrics that we really encourage that I think are, I think are much more positive and much more effective for organizations, number one is you actually want to see your total number of incidents being reported going up because the likelihood of you missing incidents in an organization that hasn't really implemented incident response practices yet is pretty high. You're probably having a lot of little mini, maybe sev three, sev two, kind of low, high priority incidents inside of the organization, and you're not capturing them. And the problem with not capturing them means you're not learning from them, right? So what you really want to see is an increase. We have a, we have a talk we give called more, 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 right? Why you want more incidents in your organization. And and the counter to that is while you want to see the total number of incidents being submitted increase, you want to also see a decrease in the most critical of incidents, your SEV ones, right? So if you're catching incidents earlier, if you're catching these SEV twos and SEV threes earlier, and you're seeing an increase in overall incident volume, you should also start to see a decrease in major catastrophic situations, your SEV ones. And that's kind of the chart you want to see, right? Increase in overall, decrease in SEV ones. That's kind of the top level view you want to watch over time to make sure that your practices are getting better. Outside of that, you also really want to be watching metrics around incident occurrence. I mentioned uh, earlier that we have a, a heat map for when incidents happen, right? Very similar to if you've used Google Analytics and you're looking at sort of when people visit your website. Conversely to that, you really want to be knowledgeable about when incidents tend to happen to be able to identify any trends there. You know, do your incidents tend to happen, you know, within 24 hours of when you do your weekly push? Do they tend to happen at midnight because you're allowing code pushes to happen all over the place that are unchecked, you know, at hours of the day that force people to wake up if things go badly? All of that knowledge is super important in order for you to be able to take kind of top-level systemic steps to say, I want to make some changes here around like when incidents are, are, are happening to prevent them from happening at particularly inconvenient times. Because incidents are human events, right? They require by their nature humans to wake up, to do things about them. You know, similarly, you'll want to track metrics around who the people are who are responding. Traditionally, organizations don't really track incident response as part of performance review for employees, which is a really dangerous practice, right? Because incident response is something that employees are having to practice. And if you're waking up the same employee every night as a responder at 2 a.m. and then not tracking that as part of their job, you're really not doing a great 
job as an organization of understanding that person's work and effort that they're putting in. So the other metric you want to have outside of response times, count of incidents, watching incident sev ones going down and incident occurrence is you want to understand the trends around the people. Are you putting the burden of incident management unreasonably on specific individuals in the company? And are there things you can do to go and spread that burden to make sure you don't cause burnout or frankly, just just cause a decrease in, in productivity from those people and happiness overall? You worked at Facebook. Can you give me some context for how your perception of incident response was shaped by Facebook? So Facebook, I think, is is one of the more impressive organizations when it comes to incident management because they've done such a good job of opening awareness to the process across everyone inside of the company. There's an internal tool there. It's called Sev Manager that everyone in the company has access to that provides this great thousand foot view into what's currently on fire. And it's both engineering fires, you know, things like you know, site outages in certain parts of the world, data centers going offline, problems with databases becoming corrupt, right? But it's also major incidents that are non-technical, right? So policy situations, PR situations, and, and other types of, you know, legal and non-technical things that are currently putting the business at risk. And what was so great about that culture of, of openness around things that are currently critical and, and sort of emergent in terms of, of risk to the organization was it really helped other people from the company come in and help where they could. If you don't know about something happening in legal where you could potentially be helpful, even if you're not in that organization, you'll never go and offer that help. But the openness there really helped the organization practice kind of this responders who we know are necessary to go and deal with the incident, as well as attracting in other people who could be helpful and giving them access to know where to go and who are the people currently working that problem where they can be helpful. I think I think that openness around the process really helped Facebook become, you know, what 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 I would consider probably one of the most reliable organizations out there, right? The the site simply doesn't go down by and large. And when it does, it's a worldwide event. So what about the tooling side? What kinds of tools does Facebook have to handle incident response in the when you're in the line of line of fire? So the, the tools are very similar to what we've actually recreated with Kintaba. You know, the tooling looks like a set of, you know, dashboards, collaboration tooling, on-call rotations, automations for dealing with uh, repeatable situations, you know, postmortems and how they're written and where they're stored and distributed. It's that entire flow. Right, has all been written into tooling to make sure that it's done in a clear and repeatable fashion. You know, the front of that tooling really being that a Sev Manager interface where you can declare the situation and provide visibility across the organization for everyone to come together and work that problem. How important is it for the incident response tool to be connected to other platforms like Datadog or any other monitoring platform, a logging platform, is it important to to be connected to metrics and, and logging and analytics? Or is it more like a just a kind of a standalone place for information around incident response? I think in most cases, it's actually the latter. It's really helpful to have data from external sources. You know, Datadog's a good example around metrics, right? Especially top-level metrics. Where, say, for any incident, you know, having to do with the engineering org, you really want to pull in, say, an, an egress chart. You know, being able to pull that in quickly 
and having it available is is pretty nice and is is pretty helpful. That said, when incidents are happening, the types of data that you need access to tend to be the ones that are a bit unpredictable. And the reason for that is if you were able to catch the fact that the incident was happening through an existing metric you were tracking, right? Odds are you probably already have an automation or process in place to deal with the fact that that metric is moving, right? So if you have a um, you know an overload on specific servers and, and that's being tracked in your, your core metrics, you probably already have an auto-scaling script that ought to go out there and deal with it. Where the incident would come into play would be that auto-scaling script has fallen over and all of your servers are now overloaded and the incident has been has been uh, loaded up and launched and, and we've, we've thrown a couple of these metrics into it. But most of what needs to be happening in the incident space is, is more ad hoc work, right? It's, it's the unusual actions that the responders have to take to dig into what's going on and they'll share, I think, a lot of that data in real time as it's discovered. But we find, you, you might laugh at this, but we find a lot of that data comes in almost better as, as, as just screenshots, as point-in-time data, right, of what they've captured and what, what that responder is trying to show and share. So, for example, we have a, a really nice inter- interface with Datadog where you can go and pull this metric data. And it's always been a great selling point. It looks really great in demos. And, and we see it get used from time to time you know, for responses. But to be quite honest about it, the act of, of responding to major incidents is, is more human than it necessarily is, you know, kind of metrics driven uh, or, or sort of like expected metrics. Where I actually see more interesting relationships is some of the kind of more investigative tooling. Uh, Honeycomb has a really great product, I think, for this, right? And in, in, in sort of observability um, that I actually think does this a little bit better where you'll go and dig, 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 and then want to share that piece of metric data in as you found it for, for maybe where the root cause is and, and what's occurring. But it's a little bit of a, of a strange answer to that question, because I think the natural response to folks going into incident response when they're building up their, their automation tooling is they think, I need to go and throw as many charts as I can into this thing. And the reality is you've already got your chart dashboards, and they're probably already really well built, and they're probably in a different tool. And in those worlds, you're almost better off linking out to that information than you are trying to pull it all into live collaboration space where it's going to go and get pushed off the fold. How does an organization properly categorize and, I suppose, uh, annotate and create a historical repository for incidents, for for future learning and for postmortems and stuff? This is one of the challenges that actually prevents organizations from adopting proper incident management practices in the first place is when you start to think about how will I store everything that's ever happened, you start to get a little bit crazy about all of the structured data you want to demand of your incident responders, right? The natural thing to do is to say, let's get you know almost a Microsoft Access type list of 10,000 different dimensions of information about this incident that we want you to write down whenever one happens. And based on that, we'll get these great you know, trend charts and, and, and understanding of, of everything that's happening at a, at a really tight resolution. What we've really found is that's not, that's not a very healthy way to do things because ultimately, again, people will avoid filing incidents because of it. They'll say, oh, oh this situation is not important enough. I don't want to fill out these 10,000 pieces of structured data. It turns out the better way to do it is to try and capture high-level data in real time that can be used for kind of high-level bucketing of information, right? So 
For example, in Kentaba, we use tags really effectively, right? So as an incident's being created and as it evolves, what are the different dimensions around the organization you want to attach? And these tags can look like, you know, things like security uh, in terms of the organization being impacted, or they can look like things like uh, data types, right? You can say like PII and have a tag for that. And those tags can then trigger automations, which can do things like add other tags or add other pieces of metadata to the incident. But it turns out if you do a pretty good job tagging, if you do a pretty good job of filing into the right severity level, and then you audit and store the full conversation that's happening while marking important moments and milestones, you actually get out the other end of it, a pretty great database of searchable information where your search actually becomes the more important factor, right? Can you full text search against all of the incidents that have ever happened? So if an incident is currently going on and you want to check a phrase or a word or an area affected, like that's going to be the best way to go search for it, right? It's sort of the Google approach to finding information in a haystack of incidents, as opposed to, you know, kind of the old web approach to things, which was, you know, way, way back when you use like an Alta Vista and you had to go and, and, and burn things down by category. So we've really found that you want to keep that barrier low for how hard is it to put basic information in and then do a really aggressive job of indexing it. And if you do that, you'll get a nice library. We also provide a library view into postmortems, which is sort of a live document view of all of the postmortems that have been written, which also has like a real-time full text search against it. So you can bury that down to say, okay, let's find everything where we ever really talked about, you know, dev cluster 105, right? And type that in and pull everything that comes up that has that in its in its category. Because a lot of the time, there's sort of two things you want to do with your incident repository, right? And thing number one is operational use of it. An incident is happening and you want to be able to reference back to your incident repository aggressively to go and find similar incidents. That's one. And then number two is trending. And trending needs to really happen kind of at that higher level, right? Where are my tags and where are my severity levels? And can I track those at a really high level? You don't have to go super deep when it comes to actual trending, right? And so if you do those two things, you can get a really uh, effective repository of information that can help you make decisions, uh, both real-time during an incident that's happening, as well as kind of high-level company decisions to see if you're moving the boat in the right direction. Can you walk me through the engineering stack of Kintaba? I'd like to get a sense of some of the technical problems that you've had to tackle and what's been hard about building it. Yeah. So, you know, at its core, Kintaba is is a web interface. You know, it runs on 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 Node and Next. And it's a real-time chat and collaboration interface that has a bunch of services attached to it to go and help it do things like reach out to responders in real time. You know, I think we 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 use Twilio to go and uh, do like our SMS and phone call outreach as well as um Twilio's uh, SendGrid integration to do our emails and, and make sure everyone's notified. But underneath all of that, we're actually built on Azure and we use a lot of uh, technology in Azure to be resilient ourselves, right? We're built on Kubernetes. You know, we cross multiple regions. Uh, we have a very controlled release process through, you know, development, staging, test branches, as well as automated uh, CI and deployment processes. We employ just about every kind of modern CI and resilience engineering tactic in our own build to kind of make make that product be able to do all of the things it needs to do. It's, it's interesting in incident management, 
people will tend to inter- interact with it. I talked about the collaboration platform before often being Slack. It's also often that people want to interact with their incidents through email. So actually the email interface and integration becomes like one of the really critical portions of the product because you'll have emails flying back and forth to Kintaba that are then being synced back you know, into the chat system and being then forwarded into Kintaba's chat and then synced out to Slack. So you end up with kind of some, some interesting pieces to the product there where it's just making sure that all those integrations are tying into a real-time experience successfully so that no matter how anyone is absorbing the information, whether it's through email, through SMS, through a Slack integration, through the Kintaba UI, all of those things are staying in sync really successfully. You know, we also have a, a pretty well built out, we call it an async tier. that's just processing these requests and keeping up to date with them and has fallbacks and, and, and various bits of resiliency on itself. So that even if something like the web interface were to go down, those jobs continue to run and people still maintain updates around the incidents that are happening. So I can't give you a perfect overview. I'm not, I'm not our, our CTO. We'd have to bring Cole on here, but that's kind of a high level overview of, of how the thing's put together. The async tier, sorry, also drives the automation system, which is what, what, what does sort of if this, then that triggering inside of incidents to, we call it turning people into cyborgs, right? To make people more effective and, and make incidents be able to update themselves as appropriate where there are predictable steps to be taken. And how do you handle design? What's your, your process for, for product design? We try to use really human and accessible design approaches, you know, our, our, I mentioned before that a good incident response process isn't just used by the engineering team. You know, we try really hard to build human oriented design. I think one of the almost backhanded compliments uh, someone had given us on Hacker News when we first launched was that we looked like, looked a little bit like Facebook, which I thought was funny. And we actually took that, you know, I think it was meant as an insult, but we took that as a bit as a compliment, right? Because your inter, your, your incident management system should be accessible and easy to use as you know, a social network or, or something that's expected to be used by anyone in the world. We've worked with a series of designers, you know, primarily out here in New York and in Brooklyn, who have all just been really focused on making this as easy as possible, making things one or two clicks away, making sure that interfaces for doing edits don't look like, you know, table data and, and it doesn't look like a technical requirement. And you're never writing code, right? You're always like using dropdowns and, uh, and selecting people and roles through um, type aheads. So we've, we've tried really hard to keep the UI as friendly and, and interactable, interactive as possible, which isn't always the case, right, for development tooling. I think incident management tends to start its life in the SRE and orgs, even if it spreads to the rest of the organization. And so we have to walk that line a little bit. And I think we're always making changes there to, to kind of just find the sweet spot there for our customers. Can you give me a sense for, I guess, what it's like to, to design the product and kind of your ongoing way of looking at how customers interface with it. So, you know, I'm sure you have kind of access to how people are using the platform and how people are annotating their incidents and moving through their incidents. I just love to get a sense for how the feedback loop between the like seeing incidents being responded to in action translates to changes in the product. So we try to live our own PR, right? So when, when I talk a lot about, you know, more incidents is better, right? And we, we try to sell that as, as something that's really valuable for organizations. It's kind of the core metric that we watch for customers that come in, right? We, we actually expect to see 
a pretty rapid ramp up of incident creation inside of the organization when when they come on board. And we expect to see that kind of happen in tandem with with a a growth of the user base. And if we're not seeing that, then we start to look into metrics a little bit deeper into why. And if we are seeing that, we look pretty deeply into metrics of where those incidents are originating from. I think a lot of people assume incident management tends to originate from automated systems, right? Like a metric happens and an incident is kicked off for it, but that's not really how it happens. Most incidents are human declared and they tend to be a reaction to a dashboard somewhere, either being bright red, right? Series of metrics coming back is bad or worse than that, a dashboard being green and a customer's reporting that things aren't going well and things are going, you know, actually not what you think they are. And so a lot of our work is a balance of how do you make the barrier to entry for incident creation low enough, right? That people are willing to start to use a tool like this if they haven't really practiced in the past. How do you make sure that initial page that they see that asks them to file an incident is as simple as possible? And how do you really kind of march people towards that point? Does the product work when there are no roles set up? Because maybe you just came in when you had an incident, you needed to do it right away. And so now you need roles in real time, right? A lot of that kind of data is really what helps us understand how to get you up and running. It's it's more common for a company to be coming in and starting to use Kintaba to have really had no tooling before that other than you know running to a Slack channel. It's, it's much more rare that a company comes in that is you know migrating from an existing set of tooling. So we have to also be the uh, educators as much as we can be without throwing wizards at you for like, let's learn about incident management. You know, we have to be the educators visually in terms of, you know, what's important. You're in this incident management tool now. What, 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 what's important and is it easy for you to do that? And for most people, what's important is get your employees in there, get their roles defined and get an incident filed, but just not always in that order. Sometimes it's get that incident filed and while you're responding to it, get your employees added and then start giving them roles. You know, that's really the stuff we watch. Everything beyond that, once the incident is up and running, you know, once we know that you're filing them and you're kind of moving through that process, we certainly don't, you know, look into data around what customers are filing as incidents. We 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 stay out of that. We're we're compliant with PII the way we ought to be and we're certified for that. So we're mostly looking again at, at high-level data beyond that. You know, are you filling out your postmortems? You know, are we, is the barrier too high there? You know, can we lower that barrier as much as possible? Even a one-sentence postmortem is better than nothing. So we're really watching, you know, that kind of zero to one onboarding and then sort of the the, the follow-on actions of ensuring that you were able to uh, feel comfortable post-incident of sharing information with the rest of the org. You know, beyond that, it's high-level metrics, right? Are you are people opening the reports page? Are they using things? Are they finding them? Do the wordings make sense? Is the documentation up to date? But we really care about that zero to one. You know, incident management's an, an emerging industry. And whenever you're working in an emerging industry, you can't assume that people even know the steps to take. You have to provide those to them in the UI and through the design. Well, as we begin to close off, I'd like to get a sense for the destination of Kintaba and where you see the future of incident management going? So I think we're a bit unique in that a lot of companies in this space see the world, you know, moving deeper and deeper into the technical side, right? Becoming becoming a deeper and deeper SRE sort of a practice of incident management. And I think think we really kind of see it as, as what we call almost a shift left of incident man- of, of incident management, which is more and more portions of the organization participating. A success for us has always been an entire organization adopts Kintaba. 
and begins to practice it. Not, not, not one or two people, but the whole company. And we're, we're seeing a lot of success there. And our North Star has always been all organizations having incident management and all people at those organizations having access to it. And that's, that's the direction we're running. And I think what it really does is it brings incident management not just closer to the non-technical portion of the company, which is pretty critical, but also it brings incident management closer to the customer, not our customer, but our customer's customer, right? And the closer we can bring incident management to the customer of our customer, the better we'll be at being a, a tool that just makes organizations better right at a top level, like more successful, happier, you know, operating more resiliently. Like if we can do those things, I think that's, you know, that's very much what the future of this industry looks like. You know, we've certainly talked to folks who think that incident management has to be a, a subpart, you know, of, of another tool, right. Or needs to be like within a department. And I very much disagree with that. I think, I think incident management is a company practice. And that that's really the shift that's happening in the world today that Cantaba's riding the wave of. Cool. Well, John, it's been a real pleasure talking to you, and I look forward to seeing Cantaba develop. Great. Thanks, Jeff. Um, and just just to say it, uh, we mentioned IRConf at the beginning. Love it if other folks came and uh, signed up for it. It's a free conference. It's at IRConf.io.